0: Welcome to Whiskey Web and Whatnot, a podcast about Whiskey Web and Whatnot with your hosts, Robert William Wagner and Charles William Carpenter III with our guest today, Josh Collinsworth. What's going on, Josh? Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thanks for coming on. So the reason we have you on here is uh, a somewhat controversial blog post that you posted about the only thing react as good at as being popular, or I'm paraphrasing, but, uh, you know, we'll get into that in a bit. But if you want to uh, give everyone a little bit, a few sentences about uh, who you are, what you do, uh, introduce yourself. Sure. Yeah. um, I'm Josh Collinsworth. Uh,
1: right now, I am a, a senior fund and developer at Shopify, but I also enjoy blogging, Sometimes that's for other publications. I wrote CSS Tricks, uh, Complete Beginner's Guide to NPM. But a lot of times it's just personal uh, on my own blog. And if you've heard of me, it's likely that it's because of that article you mentioned that somehow wound up on Hacker News and I had no idea what was going on. I just suddenly got an email from my analytics company saying I needed to upgrade. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Looks like you've gotten more popular. We're going to need more money for that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we have an interesting connection there. I'm going to ask you questions about the Remix thing later. Mm. And if you're going to have to rage quit now, you know, because <laughs> if everything has to be React and Remix. or uh...
1: If rage quitting over React was my thing, I don't know if I'd have a job anyway.
2: <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's funny, Chris has been on the show here, and we did their show too, and so it's funny that... The CSS tricks thing. Although mm-hmm. that's all gone. Yeah, it's digital ocean now. Yeah, but it's still
1: around. But yeah, I think Chris is it seems like he's having a lot of fun doing personal blogging now and not really having to make everything about the SEO and the everything because it seems like he's just going ham on that personal blog and I love it.
2: Nice. Yeah. I don't think I've been to his personal blog in a little bit. I mean, I've seen some tweets and stuff, but yeah, I want to you've, you've inspired me. I'll go back get into that. Speaking of like personal sites and blogs, I know Robbie was impressed with your site as well.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Some accessibility there, which makes me think like we have a company website without the same considerations.
0: Yeah, we should do better. But yeah, like (laughs) allowing people to turn off the motion and change the colors and stuff like that's very cool. And yeah, our site has motion you can't turn off and you can't change the color. So we should do better (laughs) on that.
1: Well, your motion is Far less obnoxious than mine, in fairness. <laughs> like, I just have little <laughs> pixels floating all over the place.
0: Yeah.
2: You know,
1: it's always subjective, but it's a Svelte kit site. And I really had a lot of fun uh, building that out with that platform. And um, slightly less fun keeping up with all the pre 1.0 changes to the platform, but I am excited where that's going.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. We just ported ours over to Astro. Using like a sprinkle of solid JS. And uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It's been f-
1: enjoyable. It looks really nice. I was browsing around on it. It looks, I love the animations and the design is really, really good. Nice. Thanks. I don't know why, but I especially love the little contact. Link has that little colored ribbon on it. And I was just like,
2: oh, that looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's little things. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it is. Yeah. It's that. All right. So uh, let's get into the whiskey though. Let's do it. All right, so today we're doing another Wolves Whiskey release at Quirky California Company. I was excited to, I didn't realize, so this is a uh, a thing with Willett out of Bardstown, Kentucky. They never tell us explicitly of what, how much of what thing is, but it looks like it's 114.7 proof. And let's see here, it's very low content rise, only 51%. Aged for six years in New American Oak. Maybe that's the Willet stuff. Not sure. Starting to get a place of sweet more than spice. No barrel finishes. No gimmicks. Well, sounds like fun. Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah.
0: It's from uh, House A South Rick 14, if anyone cares. Mm. That's pretty important stuff. <laughs> and House <laughs> H South Rick 6. Between the 51%
2: rye and the family estate one. I've heard bad things about that one. Oh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. All right. It's confusing how much stuff they do for these like blends and stuff. The last one was like made of from beers, mm-hmm. and then further distilled out
0: to be like high proof whiskey into a, a normal whiskey. Okay. Cinnamon? Maybe. It smells like a country field to me. <laughs> Very wheat-like, I guess. Oh. Strange
2: for Rye. So when you walk outside, this is what it smells like for you. Well, no, (laughs) he lives in the country, so yeah. (laughs) There's a tiny bit of the
1: nose of it. Like, um, my family would always vacation up in these condos, like up in the woods in Colorado, and there is just like a tiny bit of it where, like, you walk outside and you get that woodsy smell.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Takes me back there. Ooh,
0: yeah, yeah. Like it feels like sitting around a campfire, but. It doesn't smell like a campfire exactly. it just like has that feeling for me I'm getting a lot of cinnamon initially
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, in the smell and even in the flavor, so it's delivering on that. I see what they mean about the sweetness too. It seems to me kind of like a syrup in there. I don't want to say maple or anything, but maybe like um i don't know light caramel or something. yeah, a little of that.
1: I might just be kind of talking out of my ass here a bit. <laughs> it almost feels like it has that kind of texture to it as much as a flavor like it feels very round i think is the word Mm. in the middle of the
2: palette yeah like it's coating a little bit right it has some thickness there and it's not just yeah
0: yeah that's a good way to put it i get that mine is like a little bit salty i don't know if you guys are getting that not at all Mm. i don't think i would have said that no Maybe it's my cup. Maybe it wasn't clean or something. (laughs) Yeah, it could be that. I did
2: just wash mine before because I wanted to make sure. I'm not always good about that. I ate some pretzels earlier, so Mm. if I was tasting it, I would think it was just still in my beard. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is why I don't have one of those. I mean, not just because I can't really grow one, but also, you know, feels like a lot of, like, excessive cleaning out of crumbs and things like that. And You've got so many extra accessories. You've got beard combs and wax and oils and I don't know. Extra shavers. Yeah. It's not too bad. It fits
1: like this short. Like minor Robbie's are both fairly short. I used to have a very long one that was like down to my chest. And oh. that one was oh. more maintenance than actually having
2: hair was, <laughs> which I don't have anymore. Yeah. As you can see, you'd think it'd be the opposite, right? You're just like letting it go and who cares and braid it up or something else. But
0: yeah, it's a commitment.
2: Yeah, I know. A great deal of effort goes into any beard
1: that is not just pure. Like, I've been in the wilderness for six months. Do you
2: still have the Harley <laughs> on those days, or <laughs> <laughs> not much of a Harley guy? Oh, okay, you weren't in. I, I thought you looked like that guy in Sons of Anarchy, the long <laughs> beard. It's so apparently not. Nope, just a total hipster, just a walking stereotype. Yeah, just a fixie,
0: right? That's it. That's the only cycle. <laughs> That's what my Yeah, I can respect that though. Like. I've tried to grow a long beard a couple of times and it just, it gets too itchy and too much to maintain. And I'm just like, I can't do it.
1: I always would make the joke that like your beard, when you grow it out, it has a very pronounced awkward adolescent phase that you've got to get through. Mm -hmm. And that part is what you're describing and it is truly (laughs) terrible. And it's I've gotten that far again a couple of times. I originally trimmed it shorter because um, my son was born, his strong sticky fingers were just all over everything. <laughs> and so it was just like, this is not going to work. Yeah, it's reasonable. Yeah. And that was almost four years ago. And I still haven't gone back because
2: it's just like, I can't get through that. I, yeah. It's just too much. Only so many times in life you can get over that hurdle and you either commit or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. All right, before we go too far down the path of whatnot, which is what we're starting to do, but you know, yeah. that's really where my expertise comes into play. Let's try and fake rate this. Hmm. I've had now three little sips. I'm not really getting much more on the finish, is it? I don't know, is it me? It's very mild. I mean, it's low rye, so it's not real spicy. There's a little bit of spice, but yeah, it's... um. Trying to move it around my tongue and see if I'm catching any bitter or any like woodsy or any earthiness. I don't know. Not really. Maybe a little little green grass in there. I like to eat that sometimes in the summer. (laughs) So, Josh, you said you've listened before. So, you know, we have a very highly technical scale rating system from one to eight tentacles. Mm -hmm. We've started segmenting it by types of whiskey So this, I think, is fair to just throw into RISE since it's a blend of two different RISE. You certainly don't have to. Just whiskeys of all time or buy just RISE, whichever you like. Yeah, One being horrible, eight being the most amazing. Please give me nothing else. And everything in between. I'll let Robbie go first this time, though. Set the standard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to set a great standard. I'm going to give this a five because the price point is very high and... It is not that great for that price point, in my opinion. Right. Josh, thoughts?
1: Yeah, I was kind of leaning toward the five to six range because it's very, very good. But like you said, for the price point, it's not anything that knocks my socks off, you know? Yeah. I feel like I could reduce... The price by a massive percentage and not reduce the quality by a very much percentage so right i'll agree with you actually on the five
2: yeah i think if we were taking into account like marketing and rarity and other things aside from flavor and uh i was kind of feeling five six myself which is a real shame because i like Willett family estate i like the stuff that they're doing at kbd but then again, for 60 bucks, I can just get their three or four-year rye, wherever it's at right now. And I think that's pretty good and, and does have a, a more unique flavor to it. So at much above that, probably due to price, I'm going to go five with you, too. Like, it's not bad. And it actually tastes a little different for a rye. And I guess different than a lot of bourbons, because you're not getting that. Even though I said syrup, you're not just not getting that level of sweet. So interesting and i'll be interested to see and like try it maybe in a few days when it opens up more or put a drop of two of water in there and see if it does something else but right now it just kind of lacks complexity so i'm going five two yeah you've done it you've done my work for me how often do you have unanimous score um, we're usually pretty close i think robbie and i get kind of close but all three of us And Josh, you seem actually like, you know, a thing or two about whiskey. So (laughs) the level of expertise in our realm, as we're known throughout the world, I think it's, yeah, like we're, we're dialed in a bit. All right. You've got a really cool glass too. So you're not doing the Glencairn, you're doing like, um. Oh,
1: thank you. Yeah. Just have a little snifter. Yeah.
2: I like it. It's nice. I
1: personally think I know how to fake my way through these things better than I actually (laughs) know about them. I was a bartender and a server for a lot of years. And the joke I would always say is um, anybody listening who wants to know, like, this is the trick right here. <laughs> if you want to sound like you know what you're talking about, use adjectives that have nothing to do with taste. You can just, like, taste the whiskey and be like, hmm, it's a little bit precocious for me.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, because nobody's willing to challenge that. They're like, wow, that's so okay. That sounds very specific. I'm not, um, I don't know what to say. I'm not going to ask him about, I don't know right. what sure. goes, it means when it <laughs> comes to a spirit. Yeah, no, I like that. That's a great trick. Well, let's get into a little tech, a little, a little web-esque things. Let's do. I don't know if we want to dive right into the article du jour or some other more nuanced items, Robbie, what do you think?
0: I would just dive right in. I really enjoy saying bad things about React, so <laughs> let's get right to it. <laughs> All right. I like that you make a bold statement
2: and then you go through with points to prove. Like this is why that's probably true. Hmm. All right. Yeah. I guess maybe I'll summarize just for
1: anybody listening who might not have read the article. But um, yeah, I kind of have this opinion that the article is called the self fulfilling prophecy of React. And it's called that because I feel like at this point, React's popularity is just a self-sustaining cycle. We teach developers React because companies are hiring from React, and it just sort of keeps going. And it's the default choice for everything these days, it seems like. But if you look at the reasons you might actually pick a framework, React doesn't really tend to come out on top in any of those given categories, um, whether that's performance or bundle size or um, developer experience or you can go down the whole list pretty much and basically other than actual number of people who work in this thing uh, it just doesn't really tend to beat anything that's come along since and um on top of that i think it's steeped in a lot of both very facebook specific and very era specific opinions and a lot of the frameworks that were using these days or that have come along since then have been able to evolve or you know, start from better places uh, than React has been. I'm the kind of nerd who gets annoyed when things are popular that shouldn't be. And so, <laughs> yeah, I wrote an article yelling into the void and I didn't expect the void to pay any attention, but it did.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, well, everything you wrote was things I would love to write about, but then I was like, well, no one's going to read it because everyone loves React. And like, People would just hate me more for writing it. And it's like, (laughs) okay, well, but yeah, it was like, there is someone out there that feels the same as I do. And it was just so Uh, refreshing.
1: I'm glad we can have this moment of kinship and that I can not be afraid to be the asshole that everybody thinks I am.
2: (laughs) 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 I think that you made some very fair points that aren't just like, this is hot garbage and you guys are stupid. Mm that around the fact that like when the decisions are made at that point in time and they are trying to evolve some of those decisions and they try to implement a few different patterns and things too in terms of like memory management and uh, things like that but like at the end of the day it was always just a view layer right and there was a billion different opinions around Everything that surrounded it, which was going to affect it in a bunch of different ways and other actual frameworks versus libraries were coming along and solving some of those things by forcing opinions and then moving some things forward technologically or the way that you would think about it at scale. And you, there's the other side of things like you make a decision and you make a choice and go down a path and then you spend 3 years there and your application scales or the needs get stretched and maybe something you didn't think about edge cases come along the way and you're still like well i've been doing this for 3 years and you're digging your heels in and or your manager says well we can only hire people because even out of college and boot camps this is all they learn not thinking like if they actually knew programming fundamentals and you know the vanilla api There's a lot of options to it. So you can't fault the people that were there at the time. They made the decisions that solved their business case at that time. But then, you know, trying to apply it across the board forever and ever, like, you know, mistakes could be made and you got to be willing to pivot and, you know, make a, a good business case. I mean, I just think in that sense, you made the arguments behind what would be like a great discussion, like RFC discussion around like, maybe we shouldn't be using this anymore because here are some points that could benefit us in a different way. And that's what I liked about it is it wasn't just like, this is shit and I've got another smart way because I'm doing this <laughs> other thing. Hey, if you, I'm working on this. And uh, it was a bit more objective and fact-based.
1: Thank you. I try to be that and not the, this is the JavaScript library you must be using in 2022 if you want to stay employed or whatever.
2: <laughs> right. Well, and we've talked about it a couple of times and like the industry is looking at, like maybe we didn't do the right thing for a while, being dependent on the client's computing power and like stuffing everything we could in JavaScript for the single page app and is the multi-page app. Okay. And,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, coming back to like rethink that and things like Astro basically providing a build system to allow you to like slide things in as needed rather than because the whole deal and HTML wasn't so bad and servers are pretty powerful now. and you know, like, is there, is there a middle ground? I don't know. Right. And then recently <laughs> the core contributors and creators of a lot of these newer frameworks have now started to have some Twitter flame ro- wars around it. I don't know if you've noticed some <laughs> of that stuff, but uh, putting out metrics about being 10 times faster than your stuff. <laughs> oh, right, right, right.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I saw some of that. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Evan, you is not a guy I would want to piss off is what I'll say about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I think very much like your argument. I mean, like you said, it wasn't necessarily an argument it was more of like it was a blog post, but like a white paper around like this may not be the best thing. Everybody's choosing it for kind of these reasons, but let's, let's look at it holistically and let's like put some data behind some of the questions. And that's exactly what he did. He got pressured with uh, a massive marketing announcement and then said, well, I'm not so sure that's exactly apples to apples. Let's walk through it and see. Yeah, And I appreciate those perspectives. So Mm
1: -hmm. yeah, totally. Me too. I think that's kind of what I was trying to get at was React has enough like defaults and assumptions and ways of doing things baked in at this point that I say in the article, like I think a lot of people don't realize that it hasn't aged that well. It has kind of held itself back in some ways, and, and the tools that we do now have offer us some advantages that React maybe can't. Like it, it maybe has sort of closed enough doors early enough in the binary tree that it actually can't get to that place anymore. That made sense in my head when I said it and I pictured the binary tree, but I don't know if it made sense for anybody else,
2: but (laughs) yeah. Well, can you inverse it programmatically or on a whiteboard right now? (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely cannot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sorry. We we can't hire you here at Whiskey Web and whatnot,
0: but you can show that anyway. One of the big things for me is like seeing people tweet about, I saw some guy the other day that was like, oh, I've. Just discovered Next.js and it's like so good and, and fixes all these problems I have with React and like has opinions and whatever. And I'm like, okay, yes, like, yes, it's a step better, but mm-hmm. Ember has existed for a decade and has had opinions the whole time. And it's just like easy to use as a developer and you don't have to spend all your time configuring Webpack. That's not necessarily the case anymore because they, for the we need complicated shit and like now we're going to have to do builds in Ember too but (laughs) I digress. Anyway so it's like it's crazy how people just don't even see the other tools. It's like you know all they see is React and then these like frameworks built on React and that's all people really talk about and so it's just like yeah it's just like just keeps going and going and it's a little bit of a
1: sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to agree. Oh no go ahead. There's a little bit of a like When all you have is a hammer, the world looks like a nail kind of problem there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: And not everyone is willing to like step out of their comfort zone of expertise. Like I've been through the world of I escaped tables for websites and we intertwined everything and had nested uh, inline styles and crazy stuff like that and fought for the world where we had a separation of concerns and then, oh, all of a sudden we're adding interactivity and, and jQuery. And then, oh, now we have some tools and helpers to like enhance our thinking. And I feel like it's just basically gone the other way around. Like education is around the way that you build a web a- application is well. Start with uh, create react app and, you know, start to see some magic changing on the page, mm-hmm. isn't that cool? And this is yeah. what you're getting at. And so to like, try and dismantle that and have them come from a different point of view and thinking i think is challenging.
1: I was thinking about this today. I think what you're touching on there is i think people kind of forget what the problem was. So when react came around it was facebook having lots of issues keeping the data layer in sync with the view layer. Mm-hmm. And that was their problem and that that reactivity was the big thing that they solved. And so it was because we're you know our problem is keeping those things in sync. And so we are going to tightly couple those things and React is the way we're going to do that. And that's the right way to think about it. But people kind of forgot that middle step and they started thinking, our problem is whatever and React is the solution. Like React isn't the solution. React is a tool to get you to the solution. Yeah, And your problem was that needed reactivity, that needed coupling. And it's almost like we see what the solution looks like and we think oh okay well that's the solution but no it's just the appearance of the solution we forgot the original problem yeah i might have gotten a little too deep in my own head there but (laughs) i hope that made sense
0: yeah and i think somewhat related like a lot of people just really like over engineering things like there's a, a camp of people that want it to be hard right Like they want it to be painful and like I want to just sling a ton of JSX all day and I want to like not be able to read anything and have to use class name and dangerously set HTML and then be like, look how cool I am. I did all this, you know, so it's like those kind of people love it for that because it's like I'm a powerful engineer and I I like doing this.
1: I think a lot of people don't realize that that applies to them, too. I think that like React is not that easy to learn. I would argue it's not one of the easier frameworks or libraries or whatever you want to call it to use either. JSX is especially gotcha riddled and arguably exists to do something you maybe shouldn't try to do in the first place. <laughs> but I mean, lots of things use JSX. Like Astro uses JSX. I'm like that's great. That's fine. But what I'm getting at is I think because there's a certain difficulty level with React, it kind of gives you a little bit of like dopamine when you pull something off. Mm. And I think a lot of people don't realize that maybe what they like about React is that React makes it difficult enough for you that you feel good when you do something. And you feel good because you did it in React and you don't feel good because you actually arrived at the best
0: solution to the problem. Mm, I think that's true. Yeah, it's no fun to write HTML. Like, who wants to do that? Right. Yeah, (laughs) HTML and thinking about
2: state management. I think hooks, for me personally, Like, really, I can see what they're trying to achieve in terms of, like, singleton-like state without doing the weird reducer thing. But, like, the loss, I think, of um, component life cycles, Mm -hmm. which was very straightforward and, like, easy to read and just made a lot of sense. I think the loss of that and because moving to functional components, what's the other thing that's going to give us some of these things in these hooks and use thing. I think that's a really complex system to understand. So I think if you're like a master of hooks, like good for you, but like, and then also there used to be all this focus around, like, let's worry about performance, let's like really weed out re-renders and things like unnecessary re-renders and now it's just like fuck it It doesn't matter if it re-renders 40 times for a state change so you can show a modal or something (laughs) and all of that is super complex and i think that like like you said you know getting productive in that in a way makes you feel like a superstar because you're like look at this cool thing i'm doing and look at these weird things that don't really look like they relate to that to make it work right yeah you feel like the, one of those chefs at
1: the hibachi place like juggling eggs and it's like dude you didn't have to juggle the eggs to make this dish
0: this was <laughs> that's true
2: in fact i'm not sure it made it any better it could have made it worse
0: but it's entertaining
2: <laughs> i don't want my eggs juggled <laughs> whoa well, just the first whiskey i think that like a very like non-straightforward less readable complexity probably does empower people Sure. And why would they want to get rid of that? You tell them they just need an HTML file and some CSS loaded in a link tag. And they're like, but uh, uh, what? (laughs) Yeah.
1: And that's what coming back to the aging point too. like a lot of that stuff you have to do, like manage um, use effect, like use memo, like making sure that components don't re-render when they're not supposed to. Like these are things that a lot of other tools have solved for you and they're just taken care of. Yeah. And React is still kind of stuck in those old opinions.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, Dan was talking about Solid, where it's the opposite of how React works, where like React will re render everything and Solid will only re render the one thing that changed by default. Like in React, you're doing everything you can to turn off the re rendering because you want to like say specifically which thing to re render, whereas it could just do that. You know,
1: (laughs) yeah. this is one of the things I appreciate about Svelte as well is that it just it doesn't need to have a virtual DOM or any of that management stuff. It's just like, yeah, I know where that is. I'll update that for you.
0: Yeah, I think I think a lot of that stuff is very cool. And Svelte is very cool. It's very popular, also getting more popular these days. But uh, it's just hard to see. Like there's no clear winner other than React on the horizon, I feel like. Yeah. Well, maybe if Guillermo
2: flips the switch and puts, you know, allows for other view layers or just says next 14 uses Svelte instead. React would die immediately. It would be (laughs) be a challenge. Apparently Next.js now is above create React app in NPM installs or whatever. Mm. So then
1: I would be far more likely to try next if I could use Svelte with it, although I don't know since Vercel owns both of those, I don't know what it like. Why would Svelte Kit be around at that point if that was their plan? Yeah, I
2: suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I do agree with you and agree around the sentiment. So I've done a bunch of next over the last few years because people have mig- uh, you know, migrated to it to try and like put some sensible guardrails in their React apps, or, oh, well, we did it with this weird stack over here, the next iteration, and we're going to kind of like, let's have some rules of engagement. And getting the router out of there, like a router as a component, sorry to your remix friends, I think it's bananas. Everything's a component, just drives me crazy, and in particular, a router in that way just feels like, I don't know why I have to do this thing. So having an escape route out of a component router, or a component router, have another Mr. Cop Or a reouter. Yeah, reouter <laughs> is my next, uh, my next open source project. Was like almost reason enough. I liked a few of the other things, like the API routes. So being able to kind of do some serverless like thingies within this little folder structure over here was kind of nice too. So, in that sense, I like, okay, if I've got to be here, this is a nicer place to play. Sure, sure.
1: Yeah, I think if I mean, I am not using React on my own time. Uh, really? These days. If I was, I would definitely go with Next. <laughs> yeah. I'll be the first to admit, like, we all kind of stick to what we know. And what I know right now is SvelteKit, And I am very happy and productive in that world. And you know, some of that is familiarity
2: and that's fine, but I guess I can at least make the case for why I'm happy there. Yeah, I think it's good. I actually haven't done anything in SvelteKit, but I've, we've done some components in Svelte and we use Svelte in one of our open source things. And it's like, yeah, this makes sense to me. I think this is good, okay. This is pulling in some, and it gets really small. I like that. And it reminded me of the early waves of like web components and uh, what was it called? like? polygon or po- I polymer polymer that was it mm-hmm. and like okay yeah this feels like a much a good like enhancement and natural progression from like that thinking actually
0: yeah
1: yeah i'm a big fan of i don't care for jsx i think just because i, I think it imposes too many rules on you that are only necessary because you're trying to write html in a javascript return statement mm mm-hmm. But I appreciate the approach that things like Vue or Svelte take, where they're just going to give you HTML, basically, with a few extra little directives that help you do things like loops and logic and that sort of thing. I mean, Svelte, honestly, I can off the top of my head, I think there's only one thing in Svelte in JavaScript that's different from vanilla JavaScript. And other than that, anything that is Svelte is just an HTML superset. And I really appreciate that approach. Cause it feels more additive and less like we have this weird thing with these special rules that you gotta learn to strap something vaguely like HTML onto this rocket and launch it into your website.
0: Yeah, I think it would make a lot more sense to teach people basic HTML and JavaScript and then say, okay, then here's this framework where you can like decorate your HTML a little bit and get like superpowers versus learn this completely different syntax Forget HTML, we'll teach it to you later, maybe, probably won't. And, uh, you know, (laughs) people just don't learn any of that. Yeah, and so we've essentially lost semantic HTML, which was like a big part of the
2: fight of getting to the separation of concerns and then saying, write our HTML documents, just the basics of the information we're trying to get and make them friendly to humans, friendly to machines, and then the internet becomes a little bit more of a friendly place in that way. And unfortunately, I feel like we've really lost all of that. And then they're not incentivized through things like SEO and sure the Google machine. Yeah. They can control things too. So
1: <laughs> yeah, and I guess to a certain extent, like I call the hype self-sustaining, but I guess you could call that whole bit a self-sustaining problem as well, because, you know, we're churning bootcamp grads out with what we consider the minimum viable knowledge. And in this environment, that's React and probably extremely little HTML and CSS because that's considered the easy stuff you can learn on the job if you even need it at all. But Mm. the JavaScript is the quote-unquote essential skill and React is probably going to be the flavor of JavaScript you're writing. So that's the thing that gets the focus. And we just sort of perpetuate these problems by just going through that over and over again.
2: I think the irony is they're not training them to get hired at Facebook, right? Like these, <laughs> that skill set is not going to get you hired at Facebook, but maybe it'll get you hired at like doing e-com web work for the gap or something.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest things is like people just learn it so they can be hired. And then like companies only hire people that know it because They think it's hard to hire people in any other stack and like we have a client that has been doing ember for the past like i don't know five years i've like helped them a lot with their ember app and off and on and you know they have hit the critical mass where they've hired enough people that didn't know ember that they were going to teach ember that now everyone is like hey i'm a react developer and i'd rather do react so they're gonna pull that lever of like let's spend the next three years rewriting it in react And I'm like, no, 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 no. Mm. This is the worst decision. Like, just teach everyone the thing you have it already written in. But yeah. Yeah. Any decent developer, I would say, who knows one framework, should
1: be able to cross class into another framework. Yeah, I agree. That first one is the hardest one, especially if that first one is React. But like, the same fundamentals and principles apply everywhere. And it seems like (laughs) teaching some devs a new framework would be a lot less effort than Refactoring your entire application, but you
2: would think so, yeah. (laughs) You would think, and even investing in like having
0: subject matter experts who
2: know both and giving them, like, uh, actually, I know there's some articles, Nullbox, right? Mm -hmm. He wrote some articles like
0: React for Ember devs
2: or vice versa, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's a hard one to cross, but if folks can't do that, then you got to start to wonder about. Okay, how can I level them up? Or they make a choice. Maybe they're worried about attrition and loss. But unfortunately, as of this podcast, there's been a few dozen large tech companies lay off people. So there's a lot of talent out in the pool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, there are options if you are hiring. I would also like turn the lens back to an organization like that is like. If you're not getting your needs fulfilled then you need to look at your hiring process Mm. what aren't you asking there what aren't you testing on what what things are you looking for i mean if you're bringing people who know react are you looking to see what even just testing them what they know and saying okay let's say you get presented with a challenge that this tool doesn't work for what do you do right i kind of
1: laughed when you said like the irony is that you won't get hired at Facebook with that set of skills. And I was just sort of laughing, like, I'm sure that nothing Facebook tests for is probably going to get you really high quality HTML and CSS.
2: Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of algorithms.
1: Do that inverted binary tree or whatever, but yeah.
2: Yeah. Reverse the binary tree. I mean, um, Max, who created brew was on uh, our last one, I guess. Right. Our last published one. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's like one of his most uh, famous tweets is around like getting turned down for Google because he got tested on some whiteboarding stuff. Although Google uses Homebrew. And he's like, the creator of Homebrew can't get hired at the place that uses Homebrew. (laughs) Fallacy in your hiring practice, I think. Maybe that highlights something,
0: but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so any last things to say about React or alternatives before we move to some non-tech things.
1: I would just say we all come from a place of our preferences and biases and everything. And I might come off when I'm talking about it like this, especially among like-minded companions in the web industry as self-congratulating hater. But (laughs) I hope that at the very least, people will maybe take the time to just kind of check out the points and see if maybe there's something that we can agree on in there.
2: That's fair. Very diplomatic. And I think I agree with that. Whether you agree or not, I think anyone should get something from your data points. And even if they just say, hey, this is still, these are my tools of choice. I'm going to go that direction. They still should glean something from like, oh, oh, well, that's interesting to know. you know, like, Preact doing similar things, much smaller. Maybe I play with that at some point, or I don't know. So yeah, I think there's something to be said uh, without abandoning your familiarity. Sure. And maybe that's a better way to say what I was trying to
1: say is that like we can we can get very sort of siloed into what we're used to and working with it all the time and just kind of having that perspective of you know, oh, this is what other things are doing. This is how other things have progressed, you know, that's that knowledge is valuable whether you decide to jump ship or stay where you are.
2: Oh, like the pun. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: all righty. So, the real reason we're here Tell us your favorite fonts. Mm-hmm. My favorite font. <laughs> That's why Robbie's here. I'm just gonna put that out there. No, I just okay. I just read that you uh, were a font hoarder on your your website. So, just curious, which ones you like? So, I have been using Right Font
1: as my font manager, which takes a second to boot up. But I want to say I have like fifteen thousand different. Oh wow! Ones right now.
0: How do you even know which one is there to use? <laughs> So many to remember. Oh, well, that's just the,
1: that's the, uh, 16,559.
2: Just scroll through, you type in the word and type in the word you want to highlight for the logo you're doing or whatever, and just scroll, scroll, scroll until you see something. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was a graphic designer before I was a developer. Me too. Yeah. Hey, everybody who's a developer either used to be a graphic designer, a musician, or a cook. Like, that's where we all came from.
2: Well, I was a photographer Mm. who could do Photoshop that got into graphic design, then was a web designer for a while, and then was (laughs) asked by a very smart VP of marketing, I think these aren't the same thing. Which direction do you want to go? And I got sick of, like, managers and PMs and stuff telling me that, like, the button should be red instead of green because stamp approval and i wanted a more um less like subjective bit of criteria so i went that direction sorry cut you off there but no i do feel like we have some similar background
1: yeah yeah god nothing got to me more in my designer days when it was just like somebody just walking by your desk and just saying nope i don't like that change it (laughs) there's no discussion of why or whether that thing like did or didn't meet the criteria or serve the needs of the client. It was just like, "Mm, I hate purple. So no. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I don't do much design work anymore. Most of what I do is just for myself and my own projects. But yeah, uh, choosing a font is probably about 30% of it. (laughs) Robbie, what's your
0: favorite font? I like the one we have on our website. It's Pier sans. I forget who it's by
1: like P I E R. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful bit of synergy right there. Yeah. like it. Yeah,
0: I found it and liked the font, and then just because of the name, I had, had to use it.
1: <laughs> it is a nice-looking font. I wasn't noticing that as I looked. Thanks. I like the ones I have on my website right now. Averta and Alks, A-L-K-E-S are their names. But some people are very particular about coding fonts. I don't know if you guys fall into that category or not. Yep. But... No. I cannot look at VS Code unless it has the font I want installed on it. And that font is Mono Lisa, which Same. I think is beautiful, has an amazing personality and also an awesome website. So I think it's monolisa.dev.
0: I just used the one that Robbie picked. That's what it is. It's Mono Lisa. I got the, yeah. the business license and just dropped it in Slack. Like, you guys want to use this? Here you go. <laughs> I was like, sure. And then I think I've that's fabulous. always use that. Yeah. I just take your guidance on that one. Yeah, I used input before that. And then when I found that, I was like, it's all over. I don't need to look anymore.
1: (laughs) I was using Fira code before that. And Mono Lisa has just enough personality that's really like interesting and quirky, but not so much that you feel like you're reading MySpace from 20 years ago or something.
2: (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, people like what they like. All I know is that I make my uh, font size Huge. 48. We'll always talk about that the last few years. I don't know. Just big. (laughs) I just hit plus plus until it's big enough to see good from here. I'm approaching the age where reading glasses are also on the table for me. And I haven't bought them yet, but I'm real close. Probably going to need them soon. I've
0: got contacts in, so it'll be like. (laughs) I don't have trouble seeing, but my eyes won't work, which is really fun. Like. My left eye goes way off to the side all the time and like hmm. my eyes don't work together correctly, but each one can see like perfectly. So that's kind of frustrating that it's like I could see well if they would just do what they're supposed
2: to. <laughs> I'm going to need to contact the state of Virginia about your driver's
0: license. It feels dangerous. No, they, they it works well enough for that. <laughs> well enough. <laughs> Plus I have a Tesla so it drives itself. It's no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. You got the self-drive assist or whatever. Yeah. I'm in Arizona where your
2: driver's license doesn't expire until you're 65. So they don't even approach trying to like gauge that
0: again until you're already 65. Oh, wow. You don't have to go back at all until then? No. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Sounds pretty nice. <laughs> yeah.
1: I am nearsighted. I have astigmatism and I have color division deficiency.
2: Mm. So... Sounds like you need a Tesla. I don't know what you feel about all that. And you certainly don't have to reveal your opinions of Elon on here. But, but
0: you can if you want.
2: It still might be helpful. Yeah, you can if you
0: want.
1: I don't care. My opinions of Elon are a matter of pretty public record.
0: That's true. I did read some tweets. Oh, did you? Well, I just came back to Twitter a few
2: months ago, and maybe it's, you know, weird time. But uh, I don't know. I find this all somewhat entertaining. I don't care what people say kind of in the public and then I go vote, do my thing and whatever, you know, spend my money where I spend my money. I think he's funny. He was pretty funny on, uh, on SNL. He was on SNL.
0: Yes. Hmm.
2: The first autistic person. Interesting. Yeah.
0: I did not know that.
2: I watch a way, a lot more TV than you. You <laughs> sure <should>. do. Well, <laughs> yes, because I'll stay up late <laughs> and watch some extra things and whatever else. So, so you have at least one child from what I understand yet. You still have the time to be a hobby coder. I'm really, I'm amazed by this. Yeah. Probably
1: just mainly fortunate that he does really good at being on a schedule and sleeping when he's supposed to be sleeping. So I have an actual, you know, two or three hours in the evening to do something.
2: Mm. I'm just getting tired by that point. So get home. Yeah. We do dinner. Kids do bath. Get ready for bed, kids get to bed. Oh, they gotta get up one more time, maybe. But they usually sleep by like 8 30. And then it was like, oh, I've got an hour or so with my wife to watch a show. Now I'm sleep. The end. <laughs> we do a lot of like we have two categories of shows, like the kind we
1: actually actively watch, and then the background shows that mm-hmm. we don't really care about and we wouldn't actually watch or maybe even let anybody know we watch uh if we really cared what was going on. Ninety-day fiance. You're watching 98 (laughs) fiancé, aren't you? Close. Love Island is the one I was actually thinking of. (laughs) Even worse.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I haven't seen that one. It's
1: it's terrible. It's weird, like, reality, like, dating TV is very different in the UK than it is in the US in some very interesting ways. Mm. In a lot of ways, it's, it's a lot more risque than what we would usually put up with in the US. But at the same time, it's also like a lot less dramatic. Hmm. Oftentimes, like the contestants just like become friends by the end of it. It's just just sort of funny that way. Oh, interesting. Less scripted drama. Yeah. Interesting. Possibly. Very interesting. How did we get on that? Anyway, I was just going to say, so we'll have background shows on and I'll spend like weeks
2: or months on Whatever the project is, actually well, like word games in the app store. Yeah. I'm pretty impressed with that. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's that. Like I can play around with some stuff or whatever. Like we have a couple of open source things and I did an API for like we have this like color management app or whatever. I can do that. I mean, whatever. But an app in the app store, I feel like an actual game. That's got a lot of logic to it. I'm pretty impressed.
1: No, well, thank
2: you. It's just something
1: I do because I really enjoy doing it. And the secret sauce is pwabuilder.com, which makes it very easy both to build a progressive web app in the first place. Like you can just type in your URL and it'll like tell you what you need to do to make it into a PWA. Mm. So it's installable that way, but then it also has ways for you to generate like actual Android and iOS packages from them. And there's a lot of steps to go through. Like you have to download Xcode and a whole bunch of things. But at the end of it, like, I don't know a damn thing about building iOS apps, but I have two apps in the Apple App Store, at least until they decide they don't like web apps anymore.
2: So, <laughs> I mean, Robbie basically really took the lead on that. So the one that we have uh,
0: used mm-hmm. Electron. Yeah. He went
2: down that path, which seems very complicated.
0: Well, yeah, Electron wasn't bad, but like the whole publishing to different, stores and stuff is like just getting an Apple code to like be able to publish. If you're a business, you have to like have a Dunn and Brad Street Dunn's number to like register, which is like a thing I would think not everyone would have. And like little things where it's just like, why? Like, I just want to put this out. You have so many free stupid apps in the app store. Like, <laughs> just just let it go. You know, like,
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. There's so many hoops to jump through. It is. Yeah, dealing with the app stores is by far the worst part of that whole deal. It's they work to, very differently, but they both make you do just a million different things to get it in. My least favorite is the Play Store and how you can't even like save your app as a draft until you have actually uploaded all of the images that are supposed to like go on the store listing. Mm. Interesting. There's just a million terrible things about dealing with the app stores. And if I had a genie willing to grant me one web wish, it would just be like, let us put PWAs in the app stores. Like That's all I want. I don't want another bundle. I don't want anything else. I think the Windows app store already lets you do this, but- They're desperate. It's obviously- Yeah. Does anybody (laughs) use that anymore? Yeah. They're far behind Google and Apple. And Google and Apple, like, they're highly incentivized to protect their walled gardens. They want to mm-hmm. make those whatever value they can.
2: Yeah, that's true. So why why doesn't Linux Snap allow you to just do PWAs? That seems like the lowest barrier to entry. Snap is so hard. And the most difficult one to test and figure out. Yeah. I have a Linux laptop just to test in Snap, and it's not that fun.
0: It just doesn't work. Like, mm. It won't work and then you go post on like a, a forum from ubuntu or whatever because they own snap and all that and they'll just be like why aren't you a better developer you should know everything <laughs> like they're just linux bros and it's like okay cool
2: <laughs> yeah
1: that yeah i feel like there was a point in my developer journey when i realized anybody who had that little linux penguin sticker on their laptop was probably somebody I shouldn't try to go to (laughs) to try to explain something to me.
2: Yeah, they're they're not friendly. I mean, RTFM used to be a very common thing in our industry Mm -hmm. back in the day. And it's a it's a mentality. I mean, I think for plus and minuses, I think being helpful and leveling up people around you, like kind of helps you. But conversely, I think like, okay, you need to go out there and fail a little bit, a little bit before you come to me. Fail a little bit, then come here. Sure. Like, try some, and then great. Let me know that you took these, like, basic simple steps. Sure. Did you open Dev Tools? Because sometimes, well, and I've experienced devs who, with a few years' experience, I've come across those who don't know what Chrome DevTools are. Didn't know that was a thing, and didn't know what
0: breakpoints are. That's what I was going to say, is, like, you can't expect them to debug when they don't haven't been taught how, right? Like that is a big problem. Like I copied this from stack overflow, but it didn't work. Well, okay. How did it not work? I don't know. It just didn't. Like <laughs> So yeah. Yeah. And maybe that comes back to the whole, like
2: we've taught you've got accelerators, maybe even schools just teaching people like make the thing. This is how you make the thing. How do you fix the thing when it doesn't work the way we told you? I don't know. You'll figure that out. <laughs> Somebody on the job will show you. I don't know. Maybe it's that. I have no idea.
1: Yeah. I mean, you can't really expect somebody to come out of a boot camp like fully prepared for a career, right? Like you have to have, like you were saying, you have to have a certain amount of experience and failures, and you know, working your way through things to really get there. I think it's just like the critical thing is like if you're telling RTFM to somebody who has genuinely given it their best shot and they've come to you and you're just, you know, being an asshole to them, like that's, that's very different than being like, okay, tell me what you've tried. Let's walk through this.
2: Yeah, exactly. RTFM isn't necessarily like the appropriate answer at this point. I think there's a better way to like get feedback given how people are getting into the industry. Totally agree with that. I just think holistically as like an idea and a principle is, RTFM, question mark. <laughs> yeah, I think about this a lot as a parent
1: too. Like yeah. you have to sometimes let your kid work through things or like let them learn that it's gonna hurt if they do that and fall <laughs> off the couch or whatever. Yes. There's always this balance and this scale of like benefits and trade-offs of like how much protection is too much and how much leniency is too much. And yeah, it's just the constant...
2: Balance. Before we were out of time, I know we're getting close, Robbie. And you can certainly not answer this question if you feel appropriate. But
0: where is this going?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I like to scare you a little bit first. No, really? Okay. So you work at Shopify. Shopify recently acquired the Remix team. Open source software. I mean, Kent's not there anymore, but still like... React, react, react. Given your stance on these things, like, I wonder, you know, does that affect your day to day? Any like your opinion, position? How does that make things for you?
1: Shopify has been all in on React since I joined. And I mean, that's not my favorite thing, but Shopify is way, way bigger than I am. And I took the job knowing that, and I'm fine with that. I'm, personally excited about Remix coming into the fold. As I understand it, and I heard about this news several weeks ago on the inside and couldn't talk about it and was pretty excited about it, honestly, because um, from what I've heard, there was a lot of back and forth. Shopify has hydrogen, which is server rendered React components uh, specifically for Shopify. And there was a lot of talking between those teams about the best way to achieve server rendering with React. And so I think none of this is official. This is just kind of like what I glean from my position. But it seems like that acquisition is kind of a, hey, we're working on the same problems. Let's work on them together and solve this and and make this better for everybody involved. So I think it's a good thing. I think if you're going to be doing React, doing server-side rendered is the way to go. So I'm glad at least that things are moving in that direction. I think Shopify being the size of company it is, it has to take an approach where it wants there to be the most commonality between developers as possible. I don't know how recent this was, but by the time I joined a little over a year ago, they were moving all of their mobile development over to React Native so that there would be like as much cross-disciplinary functionality as there could be. So in a situation like that, you do have to weigh the benefits and the trade-offs. Like, and I don't know if anybody was having this conversation or not, but I have to assume that at some point it was like, well, okay, React isn't maybe the fastest thing. And I think we do use Preact actually on some places. But if it's the thing that everybody knows, like there's velocity in that too. So I guess that's a very long-winded way of answering your question. And hey, I don't love React, but I'm, I'm excited that we're at least pushing React forward and we're pushing commerce forward and giving people a really good route to build headless Shopify sites. And that's pretty cool.
0: For sure. So before we end here, is there anything that we missed? Anything you'd like to plug? You mentioned my word games. If you're into that kind of thing,
1: the names of them are Quina, Q-U-I-N-A and Hondo, H-O-N-D-O. And they are available for free on the App Store if you want to play them. Like I said, they're free. I don't get anything. But if you're into that kind of thing, then I'd be happy that you enjoyed them. Cool.
0: Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. If you made it this far in the episode, you should probably hit the five star button and give us some ratings and reviews because you clearly liked it. So we'll catch you next time. And please do that or I'll know you didn't. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot.
2: This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating,
0: maybe a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io.